Hey everyone, welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman sail trail. In this episode, holiday beers are on the menu. I wrap up with Kelly Montgomery from Third Eye Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio, and review Home for the Holidays from Wolf's Ridge Brewing. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, it's time to celebrate the holiday spirit. As soon as the weather starts to turn cooler, the beer temperatures start heating up. Here in the Midwest, the winter warmer is a pretty popular style. I love what Beer Advocate says about the style. These malty sweet offerings tend to be a favorite winter seasonal. A big malt presence, both in flavor and body, leads the way. The color of this style ranges from brownish reds to nearly pitch black. Hop bitterness is generally low and balanced, but hop character can be pronounced in the aroma. Alcohol warmth is not uncommon. Many English versions contain no spices, though some brewers of spiced seasonal ales will slap winter warmer on the label. Well, one of the most famous beers of this style is the beloved Christmas ale from the now-defunct Anchor Brewing. Originally called our special ale when released in 1975, at 7% ABV, there was a lot to like about this seasonal offering. According to the brewery, OSA was the first holiday beer released since Prohibition. Anchor has always tied this beer more to the holidays than the season. It's one of the few beers to wear Christianity on its sleeve, a tradition the brewery embraced when they renamed their product Christmas Ale. Since its first release, Anchor tweaked the recipe and the Christmas tree on the label each year to keep it fresh and new. Sadly, the 2022 release would be the last. I still remember seeing a couple of six-packs at my favorite bottle shop earlier this year, thought about it, and now regret not purchasing them. Looking back at my untapped check-ins of this style, my favorite winter warmer, called Christmas Wrapping, comes from Juniper Brewing in Bowling Green, Ohio. With a big malty flavor, this complex beer has aromatic notes of cinnamon spice, orange zest, honey, and vanilla. It is super smooth and has a great balanced sweetness. Another related style is the winter or holiday ale. This style evokes the spirit of the wassail, which is a spice concoction served at parties that was historically made with ale, though it could be made with mulled wine or cider. I enjoyed an outstanding winter ale from Freem Family Brewers in Hood River, Oregon a few years ago. One thing that really stuck out beyond the spices and orange zest was a hint of spruce. I absolutely love that flavor. It really evokes wintertime for me. In this segment of homebrew hijinks, it's time to pitch the yeast. Once the wort was cooled to between 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, I drew off a half cup to measure the final gravity later. Once the wort was cooled to between 65 and 70 degrees Fahrenheit, I drew off a half cup to measure the final gravity later. I poured the remainder of the chilled wort from my pot into my fermenter, being as careful as possible to limit the amount of hop matter that got transferred. Since I do not transfer my beer to a secondary fermenter, it's important for me to keep as much trube out of the fermenter. As before, I probably lost half a pint of thick, hoppy liquid from the wort but this is unavoidable. This is an area I want to try and figure out how to improve upon moving forward with my equipment. I realized that the amount of wort was way below my one gallon mark on the fermenter. 
Clearly, my pre-boil volume was not sufficient for boil-off consideration. As I was caught off guard once again, I panicked and added a quart of cold tap water to top it off. Looking back now, I guess I panicked because I wanted to limit the amount of time the wort would be exposed to the open air. Ideally, if you have to top off your wort, you would want to make sure you're using distilled water, which has a neutral pH and is also sanitized. I then cut open my sanitized packet with sanitized scissors and pitched the yeast. This time around, I used Safe Ale SO4 Dry Ale Yeast, which is a pretty solid choice for such styles. I quickly sealed up the fermenter and set it aside. Fingers crossed that the cold tap water would not mess up the beer. I went back to the wart I had drawn off earlier and measured the final gravity, which was 1.01. I'm still struggling a little bit with this step and how it really affects the finished product, or if I'm even doing it correctly. Ah, something else to add to my list of things to do. Well, next time comes the fermentation. Now, it's time for Barstool Banter, where I wrap up my discussion with Kelly Montgomery from Third Eye Brewing. We talk about barrel aging, his favorite beer styles, and quite a bit more. And as an aside, even though the everyman has not been there, if you ever find yourself in the greater Cincinnati area, please, please, please look up Third Eye Brewing and tell them that I sent you. What is your favorite part of brewing? I think for me, I mean, I really didn't dreamed about just working in a brewery for so many years going back to college. I never really thought it would happen. It's kind of life catches up with you. It was in like kind of a finance boring job and I wasn't that good at it either. And when you finally figure out a way to actually be brewing for a living, it's uh, pretty amazing just to do what you want every day. It doesn't really feel like work. No other place I'd rather be every day. So Excellent. How do you come up with some of the recipes? What are some of the inspiration for some of the things you're doing? I think a lot of inspiration comes from food. The wife and I, we go out to a restaurant. We kind of like to try to seek out weird food and go out and find something a little weird or something a little bit off the beaten path that's got a really great flavor con. just seems like a lot of beer has been inspired by food for me. Okay. Yeah, we do a lot, of, a lot of different things with stouts. Probably a lot of breweries do, but you know, a lot of food-based stout things, a lot of dessert kind of offerings. Well, I know I've heard that your stouts are pretty stellar. Clearly, you know, winning some medals in, at the GABF for your Astral is a big win also. What is your favorite adjunct that you've put into one of your stouts? Or maybe maybe one of your weirdest adjuncts you put into one of your stouts? Jeez. Maybe I should flip that. What's one of the most normal ones <laughs> that you put in? <laughs> yeah. We didn't have really enough tanks in our old location, but there's a peanut butter stout that I think is actually one of our better stouts we just don't get a chance to make it that often it's you know high abv it's got a couple of different types of peanut butter in it and i think it just comes out phenomenal but we just we haven't really you know i think we only get to make it once a year right now so i'm hoping to maybe make that more of a something we get to do more often now that we have a few more tanks so you know peanut butter stout's one of those it's, it's kind of like the holy grail for me i have yet to really find the perfect one as of yet sometimes yeah. they do well on the chocolatey side sometimes it's a little bit well on the nutty side but i just never can find like a good marriage of like you know flavor texture aroma that really all brings it together you know 
we got one in the tank right now. Maybe we'll send that in the care package when that beer is done and give me some feedback. And we turn that into your uh, your new favorite peanut butter beer. Yeah, there you go. And you know, I do review beers also, so I can definitely bring that into my rotation. So you mentioned a little bit as far as the amount of beer that you can brew, but how large of a brewing system do you have in your old location? And what is the size in your new location? The original location is a 15-barrel system, which is uh, 465 gallons for the listeners out there. The current system is 30-barrel, which is about 930. And then we have some 60-barrel tanks that we can double batch into some bigger tanks as well. Do you have any new and exciting beer releases coming up this fall with this whole new change? Yeah. Right now, we're kind of just catching up on stuff we've been behind on for the last year. But I think as we sort of catch up, we've always had a kind of a modest or small barrel program. You know, maybe 15 total bourbon barrels get done a year, which uh, we're definitely hoping to ramp up now that we have more space. But all those barrel-aged beers are about to come out. My favorite style is barley wine. So the barley wine is be out probably in January. And we, we have some of our bigger stouts, some of these chocolate, peanut butter, just different stouts that we do uh, coming out of the barrels soon. So kind of excited for anything that's coming out of the barrel. Those are usually always some of my favorite things. I agree. I think that a lot of breweries are barrel aging these days, you know, whether they're using bourbon barrels or rye barrels or, I mean, I've seen some that have done gin barrels or whatever, getting crazy on stuff. I just love how the barrel imparts just some sort of a different flavor, whether it's, you know, oakiness or whether it's a charred flavor. It's just, it's just such a fantastic process that occurs. I was at a, a conference where they were talking about you know, the tannins in the wood and, and the bacteria and everything else that kind of gets lodged in there before you get to it. And it, it's just fascinating how that all plays into the flavor of a barrel-aged beer. Yeah, definitely. Some magical that happens in the barrel. I love that you can take barrels from the same distillery. They were right next to each other the whole time. You can put beer from the same batch and then check them a year later and eat each beer is somehow you can tell the two apart and they all have their own unique distinct flavor characteristics and it just seems like magic to me i don't i don't understand it but i like it so (laughs) i agree with you so you mentioned that barley wine is your favorite style barley wine is definitely one of those that's very complex it's high abv i think one of the things that you really have to do with those big beers is let them warm up and let those flavors and aromas kind of develop as it warms from cellar temperature or fridge temperature if that's what you're putting it into and getting up to a, a 45 50 55 degree fahrenheit temperature so that you can really enjoy that absolutely i think those beers you just you know they, they hit that right temperature and all those malty flavors come out especially on a barley wine I and mean, then it's just it's fantastic totally different beer drink it cold and then just let it warm up and let all those delicious flavors start peeking their heads out yeah that's one of the things i always challenge people to do as well if you have a big beer whether it's a, a barrel aged or whether it's a barley wine whatever whatever you're doing and it's a high abv try it when you first open it up smell it taste it and let it sit for you know half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, and then try it again and see how things are developing. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating, the layers of flavor and aroma that just build up to that point of perfection. It's magic, just magic. Right. I always taste the best. Seems like, why well, as you get down to the last few sips? I guess you drink a little slower or something. But... <laughs> 
it's definitely a challenge, isn't it? When you have a good beer in your hand and you're like, oh, I really need to make this last a little bit longer. So are there any other beers that you uh, really enjoy as far as style goes? I would say barrel-aged barley wines are for sure probably my favorite. They're ones that don't sell as well commercially. So we, you know, I, I call it my private stash. I think actually the beer name is called Kelly's Private Stash. So it's... <laughs> If they don't sell, that's great because they just end up in my clutches. So that's good. I'll take whatever everybody else doesn't drink. Other favorite styles, you know, lately, just, you know, a hot summer day, I, I do love just some easy drinking. Kolsch is one of my favorite styles. It might be my go-to after a long day at the brewery. Just sit down and have a Kolsch. But anything barrel-aged, usually anything higher ABV, whether it's, you know, a uh, Doppelbach or a quad Belgian, you know, like a dark Belgian, the high ABB, usually bigger beers, chewier beers, anything in a barrel. Those are my favorite. I like big beers like that as well. And big glass to put them in. <laughs> right. Do you have a, a least favorite style of beer? I'm not a huge fan of the beers when they get too sweet. Some of the dessert stuff, I, you know, I almost have to spit it out. It's way too sweet for me, but. I think it's a great gateway beer for people that don't like beer to get them to start liking beer. But some of the sweeter beers aren't my favorite. You know, we do some pastry stouts, but I don't think they're quite on the really sweet end of what people might consider pastry stouts. Yeah, I often, uh, especially when it comes to visiting someplace new, I'll often get a flight. And, you know, sometimes you get a pastry stout and you're like, gosh, I'm glad I'm only drinking, you know, three or four ounces of this because I don't think I could handle a full 12 ounce pour. You know, it's just way too much. Some of the really, you know, I love a fruited sour. I love it. Sometimes it, you know, it starts, the fruits kicked on the glass and sometimes those aren't quite my favorite either, but. Okay. My daughter is turning 21 in December and she's very particular about flavors, textures and things like that. And so we're going to do a little segment where I sit down with her and and share a few beers with her, you know, some tastes at a time. And it's going to be fun to see what kind of things. Yeah. She likes and doesn't like. She right. absolutely hates anything effervescent. So I'm like, oh gosh, right. you know, what am I going to do with that? So the same thing. I think that anything a little bit more fruity, a little bit more sweet is going to be something that she'll probably like. Although I told her that she really needs to try a Guinness. Yeah, I think they're great gateway beers, you know. Same with like a New England IPA where it doesn't have the bitterness and get all that kind of fruity flavor from the hops. Yeah, I agree. Great way to get people into beer. I think also that a lot of people talk about the lager game, you mentioned, you know, Kolsch, you know, something lighter like that, that definitely makes it more approachable for those that like the mass produced. Right. Do you have core beers then that you offer that are on the lighter side as well? Yeah. Our Kolsch is probably one of our best sellers. It's uh, been one of our best sellers and it's not even on our menu in the tap room just because we've never really been able to keep up with it. So we just something the regulars kind of know or the bartenders will recommend. Then we have a, a check logger that we usually have on tap. We have a check logger and we have a Kolsch. And then uh, we do have some seasonal kind of, we have like a baseball logger that's more of a really easy drinking, you know, 20% rice. And, you know, it's very, it's very kind of macro to me. And we have like an amber logger as it starts getting a little colder out. If I had to call it a style, it'd probably be like international amber. It's not quite too styled to anything probably, but it's like, kind of like an amber logger. Well, it's kind of fun when the weather starts getting a little colder. 
So at the Sharonville Tap Room, how many taps do you have on at the moment? I think at the moment, what do we have there? 16 times three. So we have a ton of taps there. The new tap room, I think we have 40. And I think in Sharonville, at the moment, I think we have 18 different beers on tap. Okay. So running a little, little light at the moment for our usual, but I think we have 18 on tap at the moment. So when you're running at full production or in the past, how many taps have you had? going then at Sharonville? Usually have 20. 20 okay. is usually our sweet spot, I think. Kind of 19, 20 different beers. Try to have one barrel age on at all times, which has been tough. We haven't really accomplished that goal yet. Just not enough of the product. But we try to have something for everybody, whether it's a light beer. Always try to have some dark beers, some low ABV, some higher ABV. And then, you know, we do kind of a more kettle style-esque and then we also do some sours that have a ton of fruit too. You know, it's a 15 barrel batch with a thousand pounds of raspberry with <laughs> vanilla and lactose and more of like a milkshake sours. But we try to cover all the bases as far as, you know, light, dark, happy, not happy, malty, low ABV, high ABV. We try to have something for everybody. I think we do a good job of that usually. I've been to some breweries where they have 30, 40 beers of their own on tap, and I always worry about freshness. Do you find that you go through it fast enough that you don't really have that kind of an issue? Or do you at some point say, well, the blackberry sour isn't selling as well. I need to pull that off, you know, can it up or do whatever I need to do and put something else in. I mean, how do you determine the point at which you need to swap something out maybe? Yeah. So, so when we have 18 beers on tap, there might be 10 of those if there's only two or three kegs left. Okay. Most of our beers, we've been lucky enough, they last from three weeks to two months at the most. Unless it's a Saison or Belgian, those move a little slower in, in Ohio, or at least uh, Southern Ohio. But if it's not one of those styles, it's usually gone way faster than it ever has a chance. We've been, I guess, lucky with always having you know fresh beer on that. Are there any beers out there that you've always wanted to try? You know, if, if I lived in California, I think there's a lot of beers out west. You know, we go to Denver every year and have, you know, they, they're a great distributor for a lot of California breweries and Oregon breweries. But I wouldn't mind, you know, actually going to a lot more California breweries. Been to a chunk of Oregon. There's still a chunk I haven't been to. And then when you start going, talking about Europe, I still haven't been to Belgium or Germany yet as a beer age, so that's definitely on the list. I think a nice trip to Belgium and or Germany would be be great, especially, like you said, now that you're of beer age, you understand beer a little bit more. Your palate has developed to the point where you can appreciate them. So I use Untapped a lot, and you look back at something you've checked in eight years ago, seven years ago, and you're like, maybe I should try this again. And you look at, you know, the comments that you make and you're like, ah, oh, I didn't like it. Why didn't I like it? And then you have it now. You're like, huh, I'm not right. sure why I didn't like it, but it definitely has to do with, I think your maturation of your palate to some extent. Yeah. If I would have went to Germany or Belgium back in the nineties, I wouldn't have appreciated it. Now I think I could fully appreciate it. So I think yeah. it'd be great to get out there. So Yeah. Like a Flanders red is a great example. I, I think that if I had had that straight out of the gate, I would have probably never appreciated it. Whereas now I just really appreciate yeah. the nuances of it and just the style itself. It's fantastic. Yeah. Flanders red are one of my favorite styles. And the fact that it takes 
multiple years to get one really in a good spot. I really have a lot of appreciation for good Flanders. Yeah, Lambics, Flanders. I mean, I, I love those beers that take a little bit longer to come together. And uh, that's what I love about the craft. There's so much that's put into that that you just don't see you know, at the end of the day, you just see your bottle of beer and you're like, oh, this is cool. Well, you know, how many, you know, man hours, women hours went into that? You know, what kind of ingredients went into that? I always like to try to suss that stuff out personally. Do you have any plans ever to do uh, like any kind of cool ship brewing? I would like to. Every place I've been at thus far has been so small and so restricted on space. Like, seems like every brewery you're practically sitting on grain bags. We might, I've been kind of thinking about it here. There might be a little nook I could figure it out. <laughs> so I, I would like to definitely do that. Got a good friend that's uh, making some incredible sours. So I'd love to pick his brain a little bit and kind of get a sour program going here. But it might be a few years down the road. Yeah, I think uh, down there in Southern Ohio, you'd have a lot of great bacteria in the air that would be fantastic for uh, natural fermentation. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be fun. Well, hey, as we get ready to close up here, uh, one last fun question for you, Kelly. If you were a beer, what style would you be and why? Hmm. I think I'd want to be like a macro beer because there's so many people enjoying it. Maybe they don't know about these other great beers, but there's a lot of people enjoying this. Millions and millions and billions of people. So, but maybe uh, one of my beers would be good. <laughs> What would be one of your beers that you would want to be? What's one of the favorites that you brewed up? It's got to be the barley wine. I think we're going to start getting into some 24-hour boils and 12-hour boils. I think we're going to start doing some fun stuff. I think we have a better system now that can handle some more ideas that I haven't been able to do in the past. But 12-hour barley wine, that could be me. I'd like that. 12-hour boil barley wine. Sounds good to me. Well, hey, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out and sharing a little bit of what's going on down there at Third Eye in Cincinnati, Ohio. Again, uh, best of luck to you as you expand and look forward to uh, catching a pint with you at some point when we're passing through. Yeah, it sounds great, Brian. All right. Thanks, Kelly. All right. Thank you. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Home for the Holidays from Wolf's Ridge Brewing in Columbus, Ohio. From the brewer, winter warmer, brewed with orange peel, molasses, cinnamon, and a hint of ginger. Without further delay. So one of the things that I really like about Wolf's Ridge is that their can art is very simple yet very recognizable. On the side of this can, they actually have a little bit of a greeting to me. It says, holiday spice, everything nice. A gift from us to you. Our gift to you is a slice of home for those of us not able to visit with extended family during the holiday season. This version of the winter warmer uses the finest spices to create an air of the familiar and celebration in every glass. This beer clocks in at 7.5% ABV and a mild 20 IBU. It came out of their holiday advent pack, which you will hear more about on a future episode of Beer Fridge Bonus. So when I poured this out into my can glass, it poured a medium to deep amber color. It has a fine white foam head, which dissipated fairly quickly. On the nose, I'm definitely getting some of the spice, getting cinnamon, even a little bit of that ginger. 
It's a very clean beer. So first sip impression here. Okay, definitely malt forward, which I was expecting. Getting uh, a lot of that spice on the front end, so getting the cinnamon, a little bit of that ginger I can just taste. Also, I'm kind of getting a little bit of that orange peel as well, kind of on the middle to end of the sip. So it gives just a tiny bit of dryness to it, just a little bit of uh, that hot bitterness that I was expecting. So this also says it has molasses in it, and I, I do kind of get the essence of molasses here. And maybe the way that I'm getting that is through kind of a an almost boozy burn that kicks in kind of mid-chest uh, after the beer has kind of settled down into, into my belly. Very interesting. It's not overly boozy. I mean, it's not a, a massive burn, but it definitely reminds me that that is part of what the entire experience is here. So as I've taken a couple of sips here and my nose is kind of acclimated to the spiciness, I can now pick up a little bit more of that ale-like flavor that comes from the yeast that was used. That's very distinctive. The beer is a more of a light-bodied beer. It might have a little bit of a medium body feel to it, but it's really uh, very light on the palate. Pretty smooth, too. So I could definitely see this working well at a holiday meal, going well with whatever kind of protein you'd have, whether it's the turkey, whether it's a ham, or even... Gosh, if your backyard has a, a nice fire pit, uh, even having it around the fire pit. It's a solid winter warmer. So now that I'm halfway through this, I can definitely see how this would be a great beer to have during your holiday activities. It's light enough that it's not going to weigh you down and fill you up. So, solid beer. I like the little bit of spice on it. I like the molasses kind of booziness that hits on the end. Again, it's just a very solid beer. I give this one three and a half tasters out of five on the flight board. Cheers, Wolf's Ridge Brewing. If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. Well, that's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time for another article of hops, monitor fermentation on my homebrew project, and kick off the first half of an interview with, well, I don't know yet. I've got a few irons in the fire and trying to figure that out before the next episode. But I can guarantee you one thing, it's going to be good. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5beerplan2022, and leave a comment to let me know what one of your favorite winter warmer beers is. Be sure to support your local breweries, Choose your beers wisely and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail and stay thirsty, my friends.